that's right. Residents nearby tell us it's multi-million dollar homes that surround that private lake in Shadow Ridge, but they say it's the residents, their neighbors just south of this area that are currently being threatened. If we get any torrential more rain, uh, there's a possibility that the, the dam could bust. In anticipation of additional rain, officers went door to Hey, this is Matt, and you're listening to the Matt Faust Mashup. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Mafost Mashup. I'm so thankful and deeply humbled that you've chosen to spend this time with me today as we talk about dam capacity, collective teacher efficacy, and where to build capacity. Let's jump right into it. There have been some horrible weather events over the last summer, particularly related to flooding and to dam capacity. When a dam's closed, there's no power being generated. It's all potential energy. When a dam is directing the flow and the capacity is high, there's plenty of energy. When the capacity is low, the dam simply is irrelevant. And then there's the danger of a flood. Floods happen for two reasons. The dam cannot keep up with capacity. This is an upstream flooding incident. It's where the water leaves by breaching the banks. Often this shows up as excessive teacher turnover. Then, there's the event where the dam is actually broken and overrun by the water. The dam is either too weak or simply cannot manage the water flow. This shows up as a toxic environment in schools, infighting, silos, inefficiency throughout the ranks. I don't know any of the science behind dam capacity, water flow management, or hydroelectricity, but I've spent enough time on the water to observe that there's a balance between the water level and the effectiveness of the dam. If the water level is too much for a dam, the obvious occurs. There's a collapse. Something bad occurs. It's a mismatch between the leadership and the collective efficacy of the school. You see, there's a balance between letting the water flow, building the capacity of the reservoir, and actually withholding and limiting and directing that flow. Undirected flow is a flood. But directed flow is where power is generated. It's true at a reservoir. And it's also true in a school. Okay, let's get to the nitty gritty. If you're going to be effective 
in leadership. It does not matter how smart you are with instruction or assessment. Your curricular acumen does not equal leadership. The variables are actually emotional intelligence and capacity building. Just like the metaphor of the dam, your leadership and leadership team manage the flow of water, the kinetic and potential energies of the staff. Often, this is called collective efficacy. So let's talk about three areas to build collective efficacy. It's possible that you can come up with your own list of top areas for building collective efficacy, not just teacher efficacy, but as a whole campus. Here are my top three. The first is in the use of data. Too often we think sophistication is the appropriate stance here. We use sophisticated data analysis in our graduate degree programs. There are sophisticated reports in our public accountability systems. So that must be what our teachers need, sophisticated data analysis. But it's not. Instead, they need simplification. If you get honest feedback from any 20 teachers this summer, I guarantee 19 of the 20 will tell you they do not benefit from hours of data analysis. It's simply overkill. Teachers are about action. They're about making it happen in the classroom with the kids. So what we need is to make the complex simple by building capacity in smart data methods. Now, the second area that I believe can give you your biggest impact for building collective efficacy is actually communication. Now, this can be a hard sell because it's exactly what teachers do daily in their classrooms. They communicate to their students and to their students' families. But that's precisely why I believe they may not be at full capacity in communicating with a team of educators, especially when it comes to communicating in ways that creates team-initiated problem-solving and doing it in efficient and in effective ways. It's best to lead in this area of building capacity with questions and to lead with team-developed protocols. And the final area that you can strike the balance between leadership and capacity building is in teachers giving and receiving feedback. How often do your teachers gather feedback from their students on the effectiveness of their classroom instruction? 
How often do they invite feedback from their peers? If you build capacity in this area, you will quickly and drastically increase impact on learning. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to dig deeper, I have three opportunities for you. You can join the daily blog at mafos.com, M-A-F-O-S-T.com, the monthly blog at mafos.blog, or you can create with me. Just go to principletribe.org and find the Write With Us button. If you enjoyed this episode, I only ask one thing. Please pass it along. Now let's go out there and make an impact.